Um, we're finishing up, uh, we, or we finished up, a series on the Minor Prophets, and we are now heading into the Easter season, and we're going to be following the lectionary, and the lectionary is in the, what's called First John, the epistle of First John. So I got two goals for today. One is I want to kind of look at First uh, John chapter 1 together, but two, I want to set you up to read First John over the next five to six weeks. I want to... For, uh, for the Minor Prophets, or for the Sabbath series, I should say, we, we kind of tried to commit some different Sabbath practices. And um, so for First John, I thought, let's try to read First John together. It's five chapters, very short. For those of you who are in school, it won't, uh, it won't be too much for you. Um, and it's just, it's just really great. But I want to set us up for that. Um, I had uh, dinner with the Bolts last night, which was so fun. Very peaceful, quiet. Um, <laughs> And uh, we were talking about the First John series, and Jordan and I broke out in song, and um, we're going to break out in song right now. So some of you know this song. Some, Jordan's going to help me. Um, some of you don't, but we're going to sing this maybe even each week. We'll see, okay? Because this is where First John's headed, all right? It goes like this. Beloved, oh, you come on, yes! <laughs> Let us love one another. Love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. Those that loveth not, loveth not God, for God is love, God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. If any of you are new and you want to walk out because you're creep, my, my middle son Zach, his favorite line these days is like, Dad, stop, that's so cringy. Um, that that might have been there right there for him. Um, when you think about a community of God's light. It's one of the themes in 1 John. When you think about Mountainside Communion and you look back on your involvement with this community or maybe another community that you've been significantly a part of, when it's really been humming, when it's really been what you would describe as a community of the Spirit, what does that look like? What has that looked like? What are the fruits of that, that presence of God, um, that movement of God in a community? I want to invite you to turn to your neighbor real quick and share just maybe an example. What has it looked like when you've been a part of a faith community, a Christian community, and you would say, this is a community of the Spirit because I see blank. Go for it. All right, let's come back together. No? Hey, your group's too big. Your group's way too big. All right, well, two more minutes. Two more minutes.
Okay, ready or not. Any, any uh, indicators of, of, of the Spirit in a community? Indi- indicators of a community of God's light um, that you've experienced? Anyone have any that would be willing to share just with the whole group? What's that? Inclusive, okay. Yeah, we talked about feeling of belonging. Belonging, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, Beth. Becky. Hmm. We actually were talking about Becky showing us that and helping us with laundry. Yeah. For a year. And then and that was like our first like tangible. Yeah. Does that get that Yeah. <laughs> from 1 John. This is uh, chapter 1. I'm going to invite you to stand, if you're able, um, for the reading of God's Word. And as you're standing um, and and listening, hearing, um, see if there's something that that stands out to you in particular, and that catches your attention um, from the Scriptures this morning. We announce to you what existed from the beginning. What we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've seen and our hands handled about the word of life. The life was revealed and we have seen and we testify and announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was received, revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also announce it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy can be complete. This is the message that we've heard from Him and announced to you. God is light. There's no darkness in Him at all. If we claim we have fellowship with Him and live in the darkness, we're lying and do not act truthfully. But if we live in the light... In the same way as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. If we claim we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything we've done wrong. If we claim we have never sinned, We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, 
I'm writing these things to you so that you don't sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is God's way of dealing with our sins, not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. You, you may be seated. Um, so here's a little bit of context for this. this um, it's not really a letter. It's more of a, almost like a tract. It's, almost, it's, it's addressing some challenges that a community of faith is facing. And this community of faith is in Ephesus or near there. It's primarily Jews who have maybe migrated there that are engaging with Greeks. So it's, it's if, if the Gospel of John and the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, they use this different language than any of the other Gospels. And it's because they're using language of their time to try to describe this thing that has happened and is nested in the Jewish faith. Does that make sense? And that's why some of the difference in language between like Matthew, Mark, and Luke and the Gospel of John and these letters. Um, and so you, when you're reading these letters, you kind of never know, like, all right, are they talking about like maybe kind of engagement with the synagogues because they're, they're near synagogues in, in, in Asia Minor and Ephesus? Or are they talking about engagement with the kind of their neighbors, the Greeks? And what are they, what are they grappling with? There's a few, a few primary themes, but one, two of them today that I, wanna, that I think are highlighted in, in what we just read and are good to keep in mind as you read 1 John over the next six weeks, I hope, um, is what I want to kind of look at today. Um, arguments are funny, right? I was trying to think of like arguments in households that um, you like step away and go, what were we doing, right? Like, and, and some of it has to do with like kind of ways people have grown up, right? Like, are you a family or a person that soaks dirty pots in the sink overnight? Or do you wash them and get them done right away, right? Do it the right way. Uh, the right way. Yeah, of course. <laughs> In my family, when we were cleaning the kitchen, my mom, and she's not here so I can say this, she liked to put Comet in the sink and leave it overnight. She thought that was like a thing. <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> it was not a thing in Ari's household. That's not, that's not what they do or did. Um, you just cleaned it. Um, do you put the toilet paper roll kind of rolling over the top? Or do you, does it roll underneath, right? It's not even an issue, huh? The environmentalists in the room are like, no, it goes under, so less comes out, right? The hasty ones, like myself, are like, no, over the top, spin that thing, get going, right? Um, have you ever changed someone's toilet paper when using their toilet paper at their house? Some of you are nodding. Confession, we're going to get to that at the end. Uh, there's some arguments going on in this community that I think the, um, John, or the, the author of John, is, is, um, is kind of tackling. Sometimes we think the first century church is like this honeymoon period of the church, right? Where there's like, like Acts, right, that we read about today. It's like, oh man, if I could only live in that snapshot, you know. A, a chapter or two later, they're like stealing from each other and God is striking people down dead for it. So, um, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Um, but uh, this first century, this letter we're, we're reading, um, tackles a couple of really important um, 
challenges that are going on. Um, and I think it has to do with what does it mean to be a community of the Spirit? I think they're trying to figure that out. Um, I went over this last week, so I don't want to do it again too much, but a, a prevailing vision of the divine in Greco-Roman world was that the gods were up in the sky. The gods were away from the messiness of life. Um, and if we're honest, that's kind of an appealing thought, right? To get away from the messiness of life at times. Three moms who will remain nameless yesterday, it was reported that they were very happy to be at the Housing Justice um, Summit, away from their children, um, and uh, just to get a break. Uh, it's, there's a nice appeal to that. Um, you can understand why they might think that about the divine. Um, and so there was a, a group of people who were proclaiming that Jesus, in fact, was not the Christ. They believed in Christ, like a spirit of Christ that was in the economy of the divine, in the air, but that Jesus of Nazareth had little to do with that. Um, and what faith was about was about getting the secret knowledge from the divine, getting the new ideas from the spirits, um, having a special kind of connection, um, but was very disengaged from one's kind of everyday life. And it's understandable in some ways that that context mixed with some of the language that's being used, especially in the Gospel of John, but even in these letters, you could see how those could begin to reinforce one another. God is light, right? Um, God is spirit, right? You see this language, and you can, you can see how it might connect with, with some of that vision. Um, the writer of John wants to um, confront that and does that. Um, and so the beginning of the Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And then that God made God's dwelling among us. In this passage, the author writes, We announce to you what existed from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we have seen and our hands handled about the word of life. He starts almost like in a tricky way, not talking about who, but what. But it's all this physical language of what we have seen, what we have handled, what we have explored. This life was revealed. We've seen it. We testify and announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also announce it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy can be complete. One of the big emphases of 1 John is to help the, the community to understand that to be a community of the Spirit, to be a community of light, is not to disengage from the messiness and mundane of life. But in fact, in Jesus' death and resurrection, like we talked about last week, God has come near in our stuff among us, and that the light is with us. Um, come on. Uh, 
I, I, I heard a, a, a report of a TED Talk recently about how um, veterans returning from um, the current wars, um, there's an even higher um, percentage of those with traumatic, um, post-traumatic stress um, and mental illness, even though the amount of man-to-man, person-to-person combat in these wars is way lower. And so people puzzled about this. And one of the strong conclusions is that part of their depression when upon returning is not um, so much, not entirely what they experienced while in war, but that they're returning to such a isolated culture that they no longer have friends and colleagues in the stuff of life with them like they did when they were overseas in war. And the gospel says, if we're going to be in, that God is light. And God's light is in the messiness and in the flesh and blood stuff of life. And that we're, if we're going to be a community of light and a community of the spirit, we're called to be in one another's stuff, which we already kind of gave witness to, bore witness to in, in the stories that we shared. So when you read 1 John, keep an eye out. Don't get, don't get tricked by all the light language and kind of language that seems so like disembodied. It's in fact, it's not. It's the author trying to communicate to a people who imagine the world that way and trying to help them see, no, 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 no. The divine is in Jesus of Nazareth who was among us, who lived and died and raised, was raised again among us. And the, the living Christ is with us, with us too. Um, second, second conflict. So that has to do with like the person of Jesus. Um, how did I articulate this? The second, the second conflict, if you will, um, has to do with kind of the nature of Christian life. And before I, before I go to that, um, uh, Bonhoeffer, this is a quote from a, uh, someone up at George Fox, Nijay Gupta, I think is his name. And he, he quoted Bonhoeffer and said, that being a Christian does not add anything to being a human being, but puts our humanity into force. I like that. Um, that, that, there's not some special knowledge out there or special connection that's going to like add on to who we are as God's creatures being human beings. Does that make sense? But that actually engaging with the Spirit among us, the Spirit of Christ who comes and dwells in our stuff, is going to give us force to be that which God has, has called us to be as human beings. Um, so what does that mean for the nature of Christian life? What does that need for, um, for, for, for how this gets played out? Um, and what this looks like is a word we don't like very much sometimes, and that's called sin. How do we deal with sin? John, the author of 1 John, talks a lot about sin. Um, he writes, this is the message that we've heard from him and announced to you. God is light. 
there's no darkness in him at all. If we claim we have fellowship with God and live in the darkness, we are lying and do not act truthfully. But if we live in the light in the same way as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. If we claim we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything we've done wrong. If we claim we've never sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you don't sin. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's God's way of dealing with our sins, not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. So what was happening is that with, with, with God kind of detached from life, there was a disconnect in terms of what, why it even mattered for life. So it's these instantaneous moments of connection with the divine that had very little to do with their day-to-day -day life. And the writer of John saying, no, 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 no. To say, and so they were, it sounds like this community was saying, we, we, we don't have sin. We don't sin. Um, and John's like, no, 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 no. Um, we do. We do sin. Um, and we are invited to confess our sins one another. Um, John seems to warn that, um, that sin decays our life and pollutes our relationship with God and, and with one another. I think that's an interesting way to kind of think about sin. Those things that decay our life, um, that pollute our relationship. With, with God and, and, and with each other. Um, and that confession is this practice um, that cleanses the pollution, that, that names it for what it is. Um, and the gospel that we, 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 we celebrated last week says that even though we can see the sin in our world and in our lives, it has been defeated. Amen. Come on. That's hard to believe, right? But that's the gospel. The gospel is that sin has been defeated. The pollution in our relationships, in our relationship with God, in the world, it has lost. And we still see it. And we're invited to name it. And to confess it. And if we don't confess, I was thinking about, I think, if we don't confess the sin that still exists, though defeated, do, are we demonstrating a belief that God actually defeats and forgives sin. Does our pause or our, 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 um, our incapacity to confess 
reveal a lack of trust in a forgiving God who has by His Son defeated the very sin that we see. Um, Mountainside's doing some good work this, this year in confession. Um, racism, anti-racism. We're, we're focusing in on this sin that pollutes relationships in our world and in our country and in our own lives. And it's been defeated. Amen? It has been defeated. And we're invited to confess it when we see it. And we're trying to see it through a podcast right now. Um, to see it so that we can say it's been defeated. It doesn't, it isn't how we operate. It's not how we have to operate. And so we're confessing racism right now. Yesterday... Coming off yesterday, this is harder to pronounce, but we need to pronounce it. Unjust housing has been defeated. It's a tough pill to swallow right now, but can we say amen to that? Unjust housing has been defeated. Um, and we learned yesterday a lot about what it means to confess the unjust practices and policies around a, a human right, which is housing. Um, and how connected it is to other sins that have been defeated, but that we are called to confess and to, and to name. Um, this might seem counterintuitive, but another one that we have, we have, I think, over the years tried to confess is that of patriarchy and chauvinism. Um, and a way that I want us to do that coming forward is for men to get together and talk about what does it mean to be men who profess that patriarchy is dead and has been defeated, and yet we're still men. What does that look like? Um, and so please, guys, come out um, in a couple weeks on a Thursday at 8 o'clock. I know it means skipping a basketball. I didn't realize that when I planned it. <laughs> but with this on my foot, I don't know that I would have really thought about it. So... <laughs> But we want to come together and pray and start to take little steps at, all right, what, is it, what does this look like? Um, and finally, I, I just want to encourage us personally. Um, it's one thing, and I think we're pretty good at confessing, um, or at least naming the sin of the world that's been defeated. Um, we need to praise God that it's been defeated. And then get to work in confessing and moving beyond it, right? Um, and I just want us to, to think about this season. What is it personally um, that we need to confess as well? Um, in our own lives, our own secrets, our own relationships. Um, because God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. God has defeated those sins. Um, the pollution needs to be cleared out um, through confession. Um, whether that's confessing to God on your own, um, we are, I'm still evangelical enough to name, you don't need a priest for that. Um, but sometimes it's fun and good and helpful. Not fun.
fun. That's the wrong word. It's helpful um, <laughs> to confess to someone else. And we can embody that forgiveness with one another. So, to end, um, this really, if you first read it, you can miss that this whole letter is about embodiment. It's about the Spirit of God in our lives together through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Um, so I encourage you, and kids, I'm giving your parents homework right now, so you make sure they do it, all right? They'll tell you what it is. All right, Sid? Good. Um, your mom might get a pass right now. Um, um, John writes these things so that we don't sin. Um, John writes these things to remind us that we have an advocate in the sin of the world that we are that we face and are affected by, and we have an advocate in the sin that we are complicit in or that we just straight up do ourselves and our own volition. We have an advocate who is with us. Um, and before we can kind of get to the beloved, let us love, all that stuff, um, as we understand the language of the Spirit in 1 John that you'll no doubt discover as you read, it's so important to remember that God is with us in Jesus of Nazareth. Um, and that sin has been defeated and we're invited to confess it that it might not hold power over us. Hmm. Welcome back, kids. We're going to come to the table. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he was with his friends. Um, and he's with us here in the bread and in the wine. And he gave thanks. Um, and he broke the bread. And said, this is my body that is broken for you. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant that is shed for you. And for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. As you come today, be reminded that no matter what is going on in your life, God is with you. And God is an advocate for you and the ones you love.
and care about. Um, no matter what you come with today to the table, be reminded that we are asked to confess because God is a loving and forgiving God. Um, confession is naming that and living into that and experiencing the cleansing of the pollution that can fog us, fog up things. God, by your grace, bring us to this table. Set us free from the power of sin and death. Help us remember that we have indeed been set free from the power of sin and death by your Son through his crucifixion and resurrection that we celebrated just last week. Empower us to be a community of your light, a community of your spirit, a community of praise. Amen. Amen.